Welcome to the Cedar Lake Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired and fulfilled by this week's message from Pastor Neil Hopper. If you would like to know more about us, visit our website at clcc.church. You know, that verse that I just uh, quoted to you, where he says, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free or set you free. Were you aware that that word there, it says you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. That word doesn't, that word truth there doesn't mean the word. It doesn't mean logos. It's not the Greek word logos or rhema. It's not the word. I always thought it said, you'll know the truth, the word, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. You know what really makes you free? The word there is reality. When you know the reality. Sometimes they don't know the realities of the cross. They don't know the realities of what God has already done for them. They don't know the truth of a thing. And when you don't know the truth, Oftentimes, you'll live under your own truth or what you believe to be truth. It's why you have to be uh, very intentional. I think reading the Word is important. I, I certainly don't want to be the one to jump down anybody's throat about reading the Word. But you have to be careful about people who love God but don't love the Word or love the Bible because the Bible, the truth of the Word, is, is that's, that, that's that glimpse into the heart of God. That's the truth of who He is. So when you, when you're, when you're, um, how can I say this? When you see those people and you maybe talk to them at work or something from time to time or maybe in the community and they say, oh, I love God, but they don't know anything about the word. They're not being taught, even if they're not reading it, they're, they're not being taught the word on any consistent basis. They're not giving themselves to learning the word. Be cautious because oftentimes people make up God in their own minds. They, they don't really know how the Spirit moves or how God works or what the Bible says. So they just begin to say, well, I just don't think God would do this or I don't think God would do that. And, and they, they have no foundation for that. They will just give you... So when you know the reality of a thing, it'll make you free. When you know the reality. When you know that you are serving a God who cannot fail, that's never lost a battle, that makes you free. Amen. When you know there's, that he's never lost a battle, you begin to understand that you're, you're, you, you may, you may uh, go through some struggles or trials, but you've never, God's never lost a battle. He, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, as John Starn said back in the 90s, he's the great God Jehovah, so worthy to be praised. He, he's the God that can take us over every mountain sin has raised. <laughs> he's the great God Jehovah. Y'all remember that when they used to sing that? I know y'all don't uh, do music like I do, but you know, way back in the day, John Starnes would sing, He's the great God Jehovah, so worthy to be praised. He's the God that'll take us over. Every mountain sin has raised. And out of all the gods being worshipped, 
There's a difference that you can tell. He's the only God who ever sent his son. He's the God that cannot fail. He's the God that cannot fail. Amen. So I, I just, um, I, I don't know, you're, you're going to be shocked, right? I don't know that I have a sermon, sermon for you, but I believe I have the word of the Lord. Does that, that you know, sometimes you, you can give uh, ABCs and one, two, threes, uh, and sometimes you just, um, you will get, uh, you, you get a sermon, and sermons are good, but sometimes we, we need a word. I said something a bit earlier that was a revelation to me a number of years ago. Faith comes by hearing, not having heard. What do I mean by that? Uh, if, if you say, oh, I know that. Oh, I know that scripture. I know that. It's not what you know. It's faith that comes by hearing a word that triggers something that you go, I believe that by faith. I believe that by faith. I believe that by faith. And so faith comes by hearing, not necessarily having heard. Well, I heard that a long time ago, but did you have faith? Because faith ignites a thing. Faith brings something to life on a thing. So it really does matter what you believe and the faith that you're standing in and the faith that you're trusting. The reason I think this is important is I believe that God right now, probably over the last, I would say, month, uh, the last few weeks at least, I believe we've stepped into something new in God. Not, not just as a congregation, I think as the people of God, we've, we, there's something changing in the atmosphere. There's something that, is, that God is doing, and I think He's doing it in the hearts of people who are open to hear and to see and to understand. And so just, just know that I believe God is doing something fresh I believe he's doing something fresh in me. Um, I don't think you can, I think you have to always be in the word, founded in the word, but sometimes God will give you a specific word and I think we've stepped into something new. Um, that's not just something I proclaim because, okay, so everything's gonna change and whatever. Look, you can step over into something new. What happens, I believe, uh, is that sometimes it's like a doorway you move from one season or one thing that you're going through, you step through a door, God opens a door for you, and you step into, by faith, you step into a new season, and nothing may change, but everything change. And that happens for many of us where you, you, you have to know that God can cause you to step into a new season, and yet your house is the same, you look the same, you, you, but you won't, you won't always feel the same. Sometimes you might, but, but there have been times that I felt like God, that I stepped into something new and it's just an atmosphere thing. I don't, I don't know how aware you are of, of your surroundings, your, your, how much spiritual intelligence or how much you give to spiritual intelligence, because I'm not always uh, devil conscious, but I am God conscious. So many people are, they're devil conscious, but I'm God conscious. And, and I think we've, we've stepped into a, a, a new day. I want to say it like I wrote it down just because I wrote this earlier this morning. And I said, I believe we've entered into a new season in the Lord. In this place, there is a new invitation for intimacy. There's a new invitation 
We have a friend uh, that calls us at the station all the time. He, his name is Cliff Buck. And Mr. Cliff would remind us often, he would say, and I want you to hear this, you know, the, the scripture that says, come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You do know that that's, a, that's an open-ended invitation. You, you always have an invitation. Like that's, he said, come unto me. It's not just a one-time thing. That invitation is always open. If you, if you understand that today, you, you could feel like the lowest person on the planet or you could be seated in hallelujah in heavenly places in Christ and doing well. The invitation is still available for you. Come unto me. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll, he promises to give us rest. And th- I think what I've focused on through the years is, is that he is the God that, uh, he says, come to me. And, and if, you're, if you labor, you're, there's a heaviness on you or those type things. I focused on the heaviness and my need to just go to him in my heaviness but what if I just said to you, maybe you ain't even heavy today. Maybe there's not real burden on you for any particular thing, but the invitation is still there. Come away with me, my beloved. Come away. Maybe he's just saying to you, come away. Uh, you know, come, come unto me. Come away with me. Uh, Isaiah 55, by the way, if you want to look up the scripture, Isaiah 55 says the exact same thing. It says the same thing. It's, it's all through the Bible there's invitations from God, and you have to understand that there's a fresh invitation. Prophetically, there's a fresh invitation to worship. There's a fresh invitation to intimacy. There's a fresh invitation, like a door's been opened, and he just says, come away. Come away with me, my beloved. Let me just absolutely just take you away. And it's not a Calgon, take me away. It's a, let me come away with him. Um, if you remember in the Song of Solomon, if you've read your Bible, in the Song of Solomon, the Song of Solomon said it this way, Chad. Uh, he said to the Lord, draw me and I'll run after you. So we wonder who initiates a thing, who initiates. And I just say to you, it's God that oftentimes, I, I, I pray today, God, draw us. The invitation is there. I hear the invitation, but sometimes I'm so drawn to other things. He said, it, it, let's, let's go there if we can find it. I, I, this is not where I was, uh, I was meaning to go. Draw me. Thank God for the internet, right? Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon, chapter one, verse four. He said this, draw me. Say that with me, draw me. Come on, everybody, draw me, and we will run after thee. We need a grace. Listen, this is a grace thing, and you may not recognize it, but this is a grace thing where God just, it's your your heart crying out. I don't even know uh, that I have all of the verbiage for this, but just to say, God, draw me, and here's what I'll do. My response by faith will be that I'll run after thee. goes on to say, the king hath brought me into his chambers. The king brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine. Thy upright love, the upright love thee. The upright love thee. 
there's an invitation from the Father that just says, I want you to come. I know if you've been in this thing as long as I have, it's easy to go. We've heard that. We've done that. It's the reason I go back to saying, what are you hearing and what have you heard? Because faith is not about what you've heard. It's about what you're hearing right now. It's one of the reasons. Do you understand if I say to you that distractions, when when you're going after him, and there's distractions, distraction here, distraction there. A distraction at its root is something of lesser value that pulls you away from something of greater value. Understand? And so when prayer is a priority and prayer is a priority for us, has it ever happened to you that you wanted to go pray or you wanted to go worship or you wanted to just sit down and have some time with the Lord, but every time the phone buzzed or the text came or something happened. You're, you're trying. Your heart is saying, I want something from God. I want to see God do something. I want to, I want to, I'm, I'm going to run after him. Oh, but my text and my Facebook and, and all of the distractions of life. Distractions are something in the kingdom that's just something of lesser value that pulls you away from something of greater value. That's what a real distraction is. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not throwing rocks at anybody because I can be distracted just as good as the next guy. Like there's, there's so many distractions in the world. There's so, you, you, can, you can flip through TikTok for an hour and I ain't condemning you for TikToking, but don't TikTok when you could be praying. I'm not, a, hey, TikTok if you got a TikTok. You do what you got to do. Boo, it's all good. But listen, when he says to you, when your heart, because here's my heart. My heart says, draw me, draw me. And my response will be, I will run after thee. If you'll just draw me, God, I'm asking God, I'm saying, God, just draw us. Just draw us in worship. Draw us in prayer. Just let, let the pull be to be pulled unto the king. See? So just, just let that just sit. I just want that to hang out heavy right there. You, you got to figure out what your response is going to be when, uh, is your heart postured toward draw me and I'll run after thee? Or is your heart postured because I'm about to hit you with a big one in just a minute. So stay with me, stay with me. I promise the reality is, is that everything, every distraction has the potential to be an idol. <laughs> every distraction has the potential to be an idol. I know we don't call them idols, and I'm not here to preach down to you, but every distraction, if you're, if you're taking notes, just understand, every distraction has the potential to be an idol. It's the reason I've been so heavy on the worry thing and the fear thing and the anxiety thing. Worry creeps in where I'm not 100% dependent on God. It's not a slap. It's just, it's just a reality. It's, it's really a gut check for you. It's a gut check. It's a gut check. It's, it's, it's God's way. He's really, 
it, it's really God communicating to you. If, if you could see this, it's like a red flag and him saying, the bridge is out, the bridge is out. See, so it's, it's in the church, I don't come to bring any shame or condemnation. That's not my message. My message is, is worry, anxiety, and fear come in. They find their way in to every place we're not 100% dependent on God. Can somebody say amen? amen? Amen. So he's drawing us into a new place. He's drawing us into uh, a place of intimacy. He's drawing us into a place of reality, of truth. You'll know the truth, John 8. You'll know the reality. Now, let me show you this. A lot of your reality comes from your lens. Let me show you this, Chris. This is, a, it, it, this is so good. A lot of your reality comes from your lens, your feelings, your emotions. A lot of what you deal with may come from that, right? So um, how can I say this and make that? This is, this is an easy way to say it. If I listen to you pray, prophesy, sing, worship. If I could, if I could listen to you uh, pray over people or prophesy over people, I could tell more about you than I can about them. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? If I, if I listen to you pray, if I said, hey, we're, you don't have to get up on stage, but we're going to have little prayer meetings and you're going to gather around. And I say, hey, um, Anita, I want you to pray over somebody. And I just sit back and listen. Most of the time I can get a gauge after about five minutes, I'll know more about you than I know about them. Because how we pray or how we prophesy is often through the reality that we live in. You, you'll know the truth and the truth will do what? It'll set you free. So the reality is, the real reality is that he's never lost a battle. The reality is, is that in him, we win. The, re the reality is, is that if you could open your eyes, he's already done so much for you. If you could see what he's already done, if you could see the victory that's already in the cross, and that's your, if you live out of that reality, you can prophesy out of that reality. You can pray out of that reality. But if I were, if I had a little microphone and I could listen to your prayers because your prayers really are a prophetic insight to where you're going. Your prayers are prophetic insight. If you kept a prayer journal and I read it, I'd know where you were going. Some of you keep prayer journals. I probably should. I don't. There are times that I write things down that I think God gives me. But if you keep a prayer journal and you were to share it, I could tell you, your prayers are prophetic. You're, you're praying in what you need. You're praying in to where you're going. You're praying in to what you're believing God for. There's a new invitation to us today. If you can hear it, if you can, if you can understand it, there's a new invitation to him, to intimacy, to prayer. I believe that God is positioning us. Uh, there is, we're probably in the greatest place uh, in, in this nation. We're probably in the best place we could be for a miracle uh, for God to just absolutely show out because here's the deal. The world and government has no answers. No answers. 
I'm telling you, they have no answers. They don't have answers for society. They don't have answers um, for mental health issues. I've been saying for a long time that Romans 12, 1 and 2, we've been preaching that in the church for years. I wish we could get it in the elementary schools and and, uh, the middle schools and the high schools and the colleges. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. The world is catching on to something the church has been preaching for thousands of years, and that is you have to be renewed in your mind. You have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How we think, this is an invitation for you to change your mind about how you're thinking. This is an invitation, God, this is an open-ended invitation. And he's not only just saying, come unto me, he's not only saying, hey, I want you to come, come. There's a banquet table open for you. There's a seat for you at the table. I want you to understand that there's a seat for you at the table. God has something for you, and you have to determine that the the place that you've been sitting, the table that you've been at isn't sufficient. I'm going to go. He's got something better for me. I'm going to sit at the master's table and come and dine. That's what you got to do. You, you've got to make that determination today. So back to what I was originally saying, I think this is so key to your own life and victory is how you see a thing. I've talked about this for years around here, but I make no apologies because um, anybody ever remember years ago, I preached a sermon about spatial disorientation. It, it doesn't matter if you, if you remember whatever. But spatial disorientation, I didn't know this until recently, but spatial disorientation happens to two people, two kinds of people. It only happens in two places. It happens in a plane, people who are trying to get higher, and it happens to divers, people who are trying to go deeper. I want you to listen to that spiritually. Hear me, hear what I'm saying. I'm trying to go higher in God. I'm trying to go deeper. I'm tr- I want to wait out. I want to uh, step out into deep water. Uh, he told me to launch out into the deep. Praise the Lord. Amen. But there's something that happens to divers and pilots. And that is you can come to a place that you don't know if you're going deeper or if you're going up or down. And they call that spatial disorientation. And sometimes, you know why there's two gauges on a plane? There's two gauges, same gauge, there's two of them. An, an altimeter, there's one over here and one over here. There's one on both sides. You know why? Because a pilot can be headed straight for the ground, but in certain places in the world, he can be headed, I mean, headed straight to the ground and he don't know it. So, and here's what happens. You could, pilots will look at the first gauge and go, I don't think that's right. When both gauges are telling you something, You believe them. That's the reason there are three gauges on every plane, three gauges on every plane, and uh, they'll they'll have those gauges so that if you look at the one over here and it says it, and you go, I don't believe that because some of you hear the word and you don't want to tell me this. We don't preach about it from the pulpit, but we go, 
I don't know if I believe that. But then you look at, you look at this other gauge and this gauge says the same thing as this gauge. And this mentor in Christ says the same thing that the book says. And then the Holy Spirit through the mouth of another prophet will say the same thing that the book says. And I've got this gauge and I've got this gauge and both gauges are telling me the exact same thing. And so if y'all remember uh, the story that I always use is, y'all remember John Kennedy Jr. John Kennedy Jr. is exactly what happened to him. He, he, he was not an experienced uh, night pilot. If you know anything about flying a plane, I love planes. I just have never gotten up the courage to go get my license and get in one of them little things. That's the truth. I've always, I'm fascinated by airplanes. Always have been. I will watch them go over my house and think, I wonder where they're going. I wonder what they're doing. Man, I hope they get there okay. I love them. I think it's, it's a miracle. But just understand that what happened to John Kennedy was he took off. I want to say he took off from somewhere north. It might have been White Plains. It was somewhere north of New York or somewhere. It was when John Kennedy had, what was that famous magazine he had? Uh, he had a magazine. What was it called? George. Was it called George? He had him a magazine. He was, he was the most eligible bachelor in New York City for a long time. And he took off in a plane headed to Martha's Vineyard. But he took off late and he wasn't an experienced night pilot. And so what happens is, and this is what you don't realize, you can get out into a space. I'm not talking about airplanes or John Kennedy's. I'm talking about spiritual life here, if you can hear me for a minute. You can get in a place, as John did, where there's a couple of things that he didn't do, two or three things that he should have done differently. But he, when he got out into a place that he could not figure if he was up or down, he didn't know if the ocean, is that clouds or is that water? He didn't know. He couldn't tell the difference. And both of the gauges must have been saying something, but he wasn't listening to his gauges. He wouldn't listen to his gauges. So what did he do? He did a couple of things really wrong. First of all, he, he did not, he, he put his radio on the wrong frequency. They call that prayer. He wasn't talking to anybody. You know how they can, if you know anything, you know, if you, if you fly from over here in Rock Mart and you head toward Calhoun, there's a certain spot in there where you can come off of them and you start hitting other places and they, they, can, they can radio up. You can communicate with somebody who has you on a radar. They can tell you. So he never put his radio on the right frequency. He, he, did, he didn't ever check. Yeah, but it's just one little prayer. I'm telling you, a two-minute prayer could save your life. A two-minute prayer, a one-minute prayer. I think sometimes we go, we as Pentecostals, we love deep intercession. A one-minute prayer can save your life. God help me can save your life. Lord, help me. I need you this morning. I need you. But what happened to John was, and I don't want to get into the whole story, but what happened to John was this. He got out over the, uh, they assumed, because he wasn't talking to somebody that could say, you're losing altitude, you're losing altitude. Sir, you're losing altitude. He never communicated. So what happens to us? Some of you never communicate when you're in trouble. You never even bother to call somebody, a prayer warrior, 
Armand or any you don't call anybody when you're in trouble. You forget to call anybody when you're in trouble. And sometimes if you would just ask people to pray, just humble enough to be humble enough to say, I need some prayer. Amen. Just humble enough. To, I need some prayer. I need to talk to somebody for a good minute and get some prayer. A two minute prayer can change your whole life. God's given us a new invitation and I want you to hear it. Sometimes what happens is, is, and, and it happens for a diver. Here's what happens. They, they, they don't watch their gauges and they think they're coming up. They get so deep that they, they think they're coming up, but all they're doing is swimming deeper and deeper and deeper. And for the God, the pilot, he's, he's flying and you know what he's doing? He's headed straight for the ground and he, he's, he's not checking his gauges. Some of you need to check your gauges. Just check your gauges. Sometimes your emotions are so in a place. I said this for years around here. Sometimes when your emotions are up and down and all around, check your gauges. Check your gauges. Emotions are good. Servants, they're lousy masters. Emotions are great servants. We all have them. God gave us emotions. Thank God for them. They're never to be your master. Never to be your master. They're lousy at it. They will pull you all around. You'll be up and down and all around. Check your gauges. Check your gauges. Sometimes there is something in you that you will prophesy. You will pray through the lens of your own struggle. You'll, you'll, you hear the word. Um, let me show you one more scripture. Um, if I can find it, and then I promise we'll... Well, we may look at another one. How's that? I would promise that I'd send you home, but I, I don't know. Uh, there's, a, there's a scripture in the New Testament where um, um, I promise I'll find it for you. Luke chapter 8 verse 18. Luke chapter 8, verse 18. Is everybody there? Luke 8, 18. Therefore, take heed how you hear. We focused for so long on what we hear, and what you hear is important, but you know what's equally as important, if not uh, just as? How you hear it. How you hear a thing. Take heed, he said, how you hear. <laughs> it, it, and I, I'm, I won't go any further. Just how you hear a thing, Chris. Take heed how you hear. Everybody around you could be saying the right things, but you ain't hearing it. Take heed how you, how you hear. Here's what I want you to hear today. There's a brand new invitation. That at, at, there have to be times that God doesn't, as I said earlier, He doesn't make new things. He makes all things new. He didn't make new things. 
He didn't go back to the ground and make another man. He didn't make another you. He just caused you to understand who you are in Christ, that you are more than a conqueror, that you are a mountain mover, that you are a force to be reckoned with, that when you enter into a room, you don't just check the temperature, you begin to change the temperature. Everybody knows that there's two kinds of people. There's the thermometer and then there is the uh, thermostat. A thermometer can only tell you what the temperature is. A thermostat can change the atmosphere. You are an atmosphere changer. God is giving us a fresh invitation to come up higher. He's saying to refocus, begin to get rid of the distractions. Distractions are nothing more than something of lesser value taking priority over something of greater value. If you understood that the minute you get down on your knees, you begin to change all of heaven and earth, you wouldn't answer that phone. When, when you begin to understand that when you come together in prayer and when we shake heaven and earth with our prayers and our praises, that you begin to be much more of a thermostat than a thermometer, that you begin to change atmospheres. Look at somebody and say, you're an atmosphere changer. Let me warn you, ladies, it happens for ladies more than it does for men. Let me warn you, ladies, oftentimes you set the atmosphere in your home. Women do it better than men. You set the atmosphere most of the time. There, there are men, I believe your anointing has something to do with this. I, I promise I'll let you go in one minute, but just hear me. Your anointing, you can be anointed to change an atmosphere. You can, you, you can be anointed to walk into a thing and change it. Anita has an anointing that when she picks up a mic and sings, she changes an atmosphere. That's, that's, that's not just Anita, that's your gift. That's your anointing. Somebody said to me the other day, some, one of the best compliments anybody's ever given me, they said, do you know that when you walk in a room, you change the atmosphere? I said, I don't even think about it. I'm not trying. I said, I think it has more to do with the anointing that God's put on me, because I don't want, I, I didn't, it's not that I don't want it. Praise God, I do want it. I want to be able to, hopefully I can change an atmosphere to take you from a place where it might be heavy to a place where you say, man, there's just, uh, there's light and life and victory when the man of God stood up. That's what I want. I don't want it to be about me, but I want it to be about the gift of God in me. And some of you need to recognize that you set an atmosphere. You set an atmosphere. It's an invitation for you to get a new awareness that you are an atmosphere shifter, that you can shift an atmosphere with your prayer. You can shift an atmosphere with your worship. You can shift an atmosphere if you just will do it. There's a shift that happens. And sometimes all you have to do is say, you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Yeah. There's a, there's a brand new invitation. There's a brand new invitation. If you can just understand an invitation to intimacy, an invitation to, to come into a new place with him, 
And thank God for it. Some of you say, man, I've been in this funk for too long. I'm going to step on into the new. I'm going to step on into what God has for me. I'm going to close the door behind me. Amen. Mm. But you, you got to be able to hear that. You got to be able to hear that. God has a way to work things out. God has a way. It, if, if, I could, if I could leave you one thought, and I promise I'll leave you right here. Distractions become idols. Well, I'm just worried about my future. Well, I'm just worried about whatever. Distractions. Well, I just, I look at what God hasn't done yet. That's just as much a distraction as anything else. Do you think that the early church, can you imagine the early apostles the early saints, some of which were tortured upside down and killed, some of those were imprisoned. Can you imagine them getting upset over some of the same things that you get upset over? Can you imagine that? I can't imagine that. The, the apostles of old, the people, even the saints that have gone on before us. Look, there are people in your own family and in your own history that have come through so much and they kept their faith and they kept pressing on, and you let this little old stuff bother you? Amen? Amen. You let things get you down? You, do you realize what they came through? Can you think back over your own history, your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, sometimes your great-great-grandparents that you probably heard about, and all the things they had to overcome, and you're going to let this little old stuff get you down? We need some tenacity.